Hello and welcome to another commercial real estate professional investors group podcast with your host, J.W. Nigerian, a Made on Media Group production. Hello everybody, this is J.W. Nigerian with Commercial Real Estate Professional Investors Group and we're here today with Brett Flumbo. Brett, how you doing? Great. Glad to be here. Brett is spelled B-R-E-C-H-T, correct? It is, yes, but it sounds like a K, like Breck. Yeah, Breck. Terrence really gave me an easy one there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, it's Palumbo, P-A-L-O-M-B-O. Uh, that's right. Breck, that's right. Breck is, um, well, let, let me introduce you real quick. Uh, Breck uh, is the founder of Distress Pro. He founded that in 2009, and it's home to Bank Prospector, an online software application that uh, allows hundreds of real estate investors and brokers to find and connect with bank direct distressed assets. Uh, he's been active in real estate since 2001. Prior to that, he sold software and technology training to Fortune 1000 accounts and government agencies. He's a licensed real estate broker and auctioneer in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. And uh, you're still doing uh, deals, I understand, uh, representing national uh, real estate auction firm uh, throughout New England. Um, That's right. Okay, you sell commercial uh, properties, multifamily, construction projects, uh, at foreclosure or REO auctions for banks as well as private lenders or note holders. Yep, so that, that's correct. Yep. That's yeah, a lot of, that's a lot of stuff. Uh, I should clarify um, on, the, on the licensing, I, I hold a variety of uh, licenses, auctioneer and broker's uh, licenses throughout those states. I'm not both in every state, but you don't need to be kind of some don't have this or that. So just to, as a point of clarification, I am licensed in all those states either as an auctioneer or a broker or both. So it depends on the state. Well, very good. And we have you on today um, for a few reasons. First of all, because uh, you have a, a plethora of information to share with us. But also, you know, one of my pet peeves is uh, seeing note dealers and REO, bulk REO dealers and, and buyers out there all running, all seemingly running in the wrong direction. You see these uh, REO and you know, bulk notes and bulk REO billion dollar tranches mm. and I, you know, I always, my, you know, I get a little thing in my throat whenever I see those things because I know that the people, because I, I did it myself, I, I'm going to admit, I chased it for two years, Yeah. and after I saw most of my friends who were in it uh, lose everything they had because they just yeah. couldn't believe that it wasn't true, yeah. um, I, I just had to say, I, you know, i got to quit this, and I've got to try to warn people that, uh, you know, so bulk REO and, and bulk notes do exist. 99% of the stuff I see out there is is bogus. And I wanted to bring somebody on the line that happened to uh, not only believe the same way I did, but actually happened to know some things about it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the, everything you've said is is true and I can see how it could get addictive chasing uh, you know uh, the things like that because there are such you know big numbers around but you know if we're to be honest with ourselves you know how many 
how many of those transactions are are even happening in a year at you know these the the nine figure you know plus uh, things that you see get tossed around online um, like you know like we're talking of course now my phone's going to ring while I'm talking to you um, <laughs> you know like we're we're talking about um, you know, like it's nothing, and like anybody gets access to that sort of thing, and they don't, and that's not how it works. Um, and so, you know, when I first started in, um, I I was fortunate to sort of saw the writing on the wall a little bit early. I'd say maybe too early um, in terms of you know the crash and that sort of product coming up and becoming inv- available. And so I started getting geared up in late 2006 uh, as an auctioneer and positioning myself with uh, you know a, uh, the right organization and for for liquidating that sort of stuff. Um, and and the first thing that I started running into was uh, was the difficulty in accessing uh, real real deals. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to be out there doing deals today, um, if you're not direct to the source and you're on the seller side, then you're nowhere. You're pretending, and um, so. I started doing a lot of research and really um, trying to uh, identify who I should be talking to. And it's, I don't want to get into, I don't want to dive right into uh, Distress Pro uh, and Bank Prospector and all that. But that's really where it came from. Was I wanted to understand, uh, you know, which banks really had this kind of stuff and and who is who's really selling and how is that all um, happening. Um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, there. Um, what you've just said is, is absolutely true. Most of that stuff doesn't really happen. And the way that you really do make it happen is you really have to be direct uh, to the to the seller. Otherwise, you're you're going to get a lot of you're going to just it's a lot of frustration and not a lot of deals. Right. And let's 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 talk about that a little bit because um, in this, first of all, let me just I'd like to say that if somebody's doing a billion dollar uh, list. Or what they call tape. Uh, sure. If, if, it, if it's real, let's say let's let's pretend it's real because I don't think yeah. most of these are real. But let's say sure. it's real. Uh, I really doubt that a bank is going to go to a six-line daisy chain of the, on the street of people it doesn't know to sell this thing. Right. No, uh, they're not. I mean, they're they're going to go to a, a small pool of qualified people whom they know, and they're going to exactly. offer it to them. Here's the other thing you, you talk about being you talk about being direct. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, one of the misconceptions out there is that somebody is a um, you know a, a mandate for a seller uh, that they have a special position because they're direct to seller as a mandate. One of the things banks don't do or rarely, if ever, do is uh, allow somebody. They don't sign off the paper and say you represent us, you're a broker, and you represent us. Uh, what they usually do, it's more like. Um, you, here's our list, uh, Mr. Chosen Broker, and if we decide to sell that to somebody else, you're just uh, essentially shit out of luck. Mm. Uh, you don't usually. Most, my experience is different than that. Oh, good. Um, I don't. Um, I don't work. If I'm selling any assets, I don't work um, on anything less than an exclusive right to sell ever. Is that hard to get, though? 
because I know a lot of people who in the business who work with banks rarely get exclusive rights. It's very hard for them to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think this depends on – let's strip it back a little bit and talk about really, you know, before we talk about, like, the ins and outs of how that, how all that goes, let's talk about um, just how deals happen. And, you know, how deals really happen is between two people who know each other, there's trust, there's open lines of communication – I mean that I've I've never seen a deal happen where there wasn't there wasn't an, a, enough of that you know whether it's just between two people or there's you know intermediaries or whatever but it starts with that and so if you're if you're just going in cold and you're you know you're looking to get uh, exclusive rights on you know this and that. It's not really how it works. Um, you know, the seller is going to want to work with somebody who's been demonstrated as as uh, as someone that they can trust and who's going to do a good job for them. You know, we have uh, a very fortunate re- relationship through one of the senior partners in our uh, auction firm with a large uh, regional bank. And we just did a liquidation uh, for them through his contact of uh, 500 plus uh, properties from Maine to uh, to Florida. You're not you're not going to take on a deal like that and the work that it takes in order to liquidate all that stuff without an exclusive. Not only you know is there an exclusive, there's like money changes hands. Before we even begin marketing, there's you know contract fees and this kind of a thing, and so um, you know I I wouldn't tell you that that banks work this way uh, or another. I think that each institution is going to go about their own thing their own way, um, mm-hmm. and that they have certain people who are put into certain roles depending upon the size of the bank, whether it be workout or special assets or whatever. And they're going to manage their processes uh, differently. You know, there are some banks where I will, um, where we're on our way to a foreclosure and, you know, somebody wants to buy the note, you've got a workout officer there who can, I should say, uh, by the way, that the experience that I speak from comes from working with commercial construction and, and uh, uh, multifamily assets. So I really don't have a lot of background in uh, in like bulk residential REO or or uh, or these kinds of things. And I uh, I would rely on somebody else for information on that stuff. Uh, but in terms of dealing with the with the commercial assets. Um, it varies bank to bank. You know, there's uh, one bank um, that I work with where they've got one guy who really runs the whole show on anything that's disposed of, and sometimes they do them in little pools, and sometimes they do them individually. Um, and um, and so, anyway, it, it really depends. I don't know. Did I get on a tangent? No, not really. But let's look at the other side of that. Let, now, now you're on the side. You've got a deal that uh, you're working with a bank that gives you exclusivity to a deal. Well, you're going out looking for buyers. Okay, the other side of the ticket here. Um, 
again, I'm guessing this is for, uh, trusted buyers you're looking at. You're not going out on the street looking for – you're not putting out ads to find people out of nowhere, uh, usually. usually have those list of buyers together pretty much, or, I mean, how does that happen? I mean, I think the number one thing that you can do to be – successful in this business is, and this is the real estate business in general, is to build and maintain a database of people and their needs and their wants and their contact information and then to communicate with them regularly because, I mean, the truth is that, no, I mean, we're probably not, you know, we're not going to, to uh, I mean, when we're having an auction, there are certain rules and regulations, and and we have uh, certain practices that we do in terms of uh, marketing, and we're going to be in all the newspapers and everywhere else. And but then there's other deals that we don't market like that at all, and they're usually the bigger ones and they're the quieter ones, and they go, uh, they are, um, I don't want to say internally or quietly marketed to uh, people whom we know have the ability to perform. And, right. you know, uh, I have... I haven't once had a uh, a daisy chain or a broker chain or whatever you want to call it um, where um, where I had anybody come in and had access to that kind of stuff through me and uh, or then you know performed or anything i mean um, it, it's usually it's a it's a closed uh sort of a direct thing. Okay, so you're either talking directly to, yeah, no, absolutely. So you're actually talking probably directly to the seller or at least the seller's uh, legal um, uh, representation. Is that correct? Uh, I don't want to say legal representation because I'm not a lawyer, but somebody who is, you know, uh, um, who represents them, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, there are different firms that will specialize in, in, in uh it depends on a lot of things. It depends on uh, how well you're known, how much capital uh, you have, what you can show for, you know, who you are from from the past. Whether or not a bank wants to wants to work with you, you know, you gotta you've gotta have the right things to say, and you gotta be able to prove that you are who you say you are, um, or else it's much easier for them uh, to work with an intermediary like me. So, you know, if I'm selling uh, something um, wherever, if I'm selling commercial asset in Connecticut or Massachusetts or whatever, and there's 100 inquiries, you know, the REO manager or the workout officer doesn't want to hear from 100 inquiries. They want me to uh, receive 100 inquiries, figure out which five are real, shake the best price out of one of them, make sure they can really do the deal by getting, you know, usually, uh, you know, I'm not even talking to you unless we have, like, a hard deposit in escrow. And, you know, now we're off to the races. But, um, but he's not, most of the time, Unless I'm going to come relieve some big pain. Okay, let's back up a little bit again. If if you're an investor, you're well-known, and you've got connections at the bank, or if you're starting to get better known and you want to do deals direct to the bank, then you've got to be coming in to really relieve um, pain or pressure on that person in, in their role. If you're going to show up and... It's kind of be a pain, you know. Uh, I don't know what rating is on this podcast, so we'll say pain in the butt. 
then, <laughs> then um, you know, you're not you're not going to get very far, and they're much more likely to to um, to be using intermediaries and put you through that intermediary, so that then you can so that then you can uh, get your deal done because they you they you haven't been vetted. Does that make sense? Right. Oh, no, absolutely. This varies um, based on, like, asset size, size of the bank, you know, all kinds of things. There's plenty of banks where, um, you know, I'm thinking of a, a couple of uh, local ones uh, for me, where it's the same loan officer who, uh, you know, who issued or who, you know, uh, originated the uh, the loan is now the workout guy, and, you know, you're... There you are. You're local. He's local. He did the the deal. You can go. You can see the deal. Now you can have a, con- a real conversation with him about it. And you know that's a lot different than just going blindly nationally. You know, holding yourself up as something that you're not, and saying that you have you know the ability to do this or that. And I mean, it. Well, let's yes, talk about that. Back to is the relationships. Sure. So, correct. Uh, let's talk about that. A seller comes in and he wants to. He's he, he's not known to you yet. Uh, yeah. You have to vet him. You have to proof up what he talks about. Um, you mean seller or buyer? Buy, we're talking buyer still. Okay. You so, said seller. Oh, I'm sorry. So, so buyer, buyer comes, comes in. And, yeah. And he wants to proof up. What what yeah. what does he have to go through? Um, How do you vet him? Um, well. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm biased towards uh, cash, so I like to, I like to. Uh, um, I mean, well, first because well, a lot of sellers a lot of sellers say they have money. You mean buyers? Uh, I, I did I did it again, didn't I? Yes, yeah, a lot of buyers say they have money. Mean buyers? Yeah. I do mean buyers. A lot of buyers yeah. say they have money. A lot of people say that they have buyers that have a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, how do you how do you weed out? The real people, and you, them? right? Because uh, you have okay. to vet them yourself. You can't. Yes. You don't usually go through representation to vet them, right? I am the representation. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, this is sort of sales um, 101, but let's you know, let's go over it or brokering 101. Reason, let, me, let me throw this in your let me throw this in your head before you start mainly because this is what everybody thinks and that is that if I believe I have a buyer I'm going to call Breck and Breck and I'm going to say Breck I've got a buyer uh, and I want a piece of that action uh, how do we proceed uh, are you usually going to tell the guy uh, I I only deal direct with the with the buyer what do you do nope no I have plenty I I love working with competent. Uh, brokers uh, or you know whatever on on the buy side um, okay. i 'm going to call them brokers or agents if uh, uh, and again I want to stress the word uh, competent you know a lot of people take the approach that uh, sort of like the MLS approach or whatever where you just kind of get in the way of a transaction and that doesn 't fly um, right. you know it 's big boy stuff, and you know we have real you know, hard dates and hard money that you're going to lose if you don't perform. Um, and so I guess when somebody comes to me, the first thing, you know, I want to know if I've never done any business with you is well, I want to know who you are. 
You know, so they're going to say, oh, you know, I'm looking at, you know, whatever it is, you've got multifamilies. And uh, um, I recently had a package of multifamilies in, in uh, Furbank, REO, in, uh, in Connecticut. And so we had, yeah, multifamily is very hot, had a ton of inquiries. Well, first question is, um, how many do you own? You know, where are they? You know, and if they if they don't already own some, and you know, then say okay, so this is this is going to be your first, uh, you know, your first try. Yeah, okay. Well, after that, I'm going to go right for the number, um, and I want to try and get a sense. People walk around with numbers in their heads of what they're most of the time if they're going to be reaching out. I've found, um, you know, when you're talking about uh, income-producing real estate, people are coming in and they've, you know, they've already done some back-of-the-envelope, you know, type of stuff or whatever. But most of the time, I want to find out if they already own something or not. If so, what is it? How long have you had it? If not, why do you think you can buy? Uh, you know, being tactful, of course, uh, but really get to the bottom right up front. Are you dealing with somebody who's who's uh who's real if it's somebody who calls me in there a broker uh i'm going to ask him the same thing so i'm going to say they're going to say you know he's interested in this can we buy it everybody wants to buy before the auction can we buy it before the auction can we buy the note you know whatever all the time and right. so the first thing that i want to know is uh, if you're a broker, I'm going to ask you about your client. And if you don't have any knowledge of who they are and what they're capable of or what they've done um, or own, um, then you know it's kind of a non-starter, you know. Well, let, let me let me cut in a second on that because one of the things that we hear all the time is uh, the, if you are a broker or an agent of a a buyer, you usually have this whole secretive thing going on thing. You have to sign my NCND or I'm not going to talk to you because I don't want you uh, going around me to my right. buyer. And I always thought, wait a second, there should be no secrecy here. If a buyer is using you as an agent, there's no way they're yeah. going to circumvent you if you're, right. unless you're really not their agent. Right. Well, I'll give you an example. I had a um, we had a little, hot a little uh, hotel that kind of sold quick. Um, uh, pre-auction, there's an offer that was made, couldn't really refuse, and I, I got a call from from uh, from this broker uh, afterwards. It was like three or four weeks after the thing had closed. It came up, closed very quickly, like less than 20 days, something like that. And the broker called me, and she had been talking to me about some other uh, thing that we had that, that she thought she might have somebody interested in. She's like, oh, I saw that that hotel sold can i just ask you know who it is i was like well i you know, don't have it right in front of me but you know why and she's like oh i i just i wonder if it was my buyer um <laughs> well what's really your buyer if you have no idea if they even engaged in a you know in a transaction at all what kind of relationship is that they haven't told you anything yeah, right. you know, you're just walking around out there, literally, like hoping to bump into or get in the way of uh, a, a transaction. And 
you know, I, it's just real rookie stuff, and uh, maybe, you know, it's like the blind squirrel's going to get a nut occasionally that way, but it's right. pretty rare. <laughs> um, and I think that if you're going to represent on the buy side, you have, if you don't have, I think all that non-disclosure, all that other stuff, mostly is a huge waste of time. If you're yeah. not showing up uh, bringing bringing value to the buyer, uh, then, then what are you doing? You know, I mean, they're, no, they're not going to call you. You're probably not going to get the commission. They're going to work with 10 other people just like you and, you know, and it's going to go to whoever it goes to. Now, I mean, I guess there's different schools of thought on that. I, I'm not opposed to an exclusive, uh, buyers agreement. I think that that is a really prudent thing to do. I'm also uh, in favor of taking a retainer um, up front, uh, but you've got to be showing up providing real value in order to get somebody to do those things. And you're not just, you know, feeding stuff uh, to them that you're getting on like, you know, CoStar or, or LoopNet or whatever. It's got to be that you are a true uh, advisor and you know if you're new and you're listening to this and you think I sound like a jerk <laughs> uh, you know I <laughs> I apologize but I think that no I really think you're kind of throwing <clears throat> clarity into this issue because I think there's a lot of people believing a certain way and they're told yeah. a, certain, a lot of stuff and they're yeah. told a lot of stuff by people who don't know what they're talking about and that's why you're on I mean, the call today because you do Oh, I appreciate that. I, I, um, anyway, uh, you've embarrassed me now, JW. <laughs> but I think that if you're if you're out there and you're running around with buyers and you don't have uh, deep relationships or a retainer or you know a, a, a contract between you, then I think that you need to evaluate what you're doing and look at you know stepping up your game. And if that means that you need to spend some time uh, improving, like if you if you don't if you haven't got any formal or you know uh, um, or informal training, if you don't have any training like you know, CCIM training or something where you're coming to the table um, uh, and with a real skill set that that person can really benefit from, then you're gonna get you're gonna get nudged out of all kinds of transactions and you're gonna end up calling me a month later to find out if your buyer bought the deal. <laughs> that says it all. Yeah. Well, Brad, you know, I've known you, what, over four years now probably? I think we, <laughs> we've had uh length sure. where we haven't spoken in a long time. Um, but let, let's talk about, uh, you know, because you do the auction thing and you also have your mm-hmm. software company and uh, yeah. um, and you're also doing some deals. Let's, let's uh, talk first about... Um, Distressed Pro, uh, distresspro.com. Tell me about this software because well, let, let me. I'm going to let you talk about it in a sec, but I'm going to. Uh, dr- I'm going to blather on for a second also. Um, one of the things I like about what you got is that I've seen, as you know, because we've talked about this, I've seen a lot of people who absolutely know what they're doing. Or you know, uh, I mean, these are these are powerhouse guys in in the industry who have put lots of money into these programs and mostly their platforms for mm-hmm. uh, going for, for vetting buyers mm-hmm. uh, for taking uh, product 
and selling it in bulk and allowing these people to vet and the whole thing. <clears throat> and a lot of these uh, platforms, like I said, a lot of money was put in. They're well done. And none of them made any money, mainly because there wasn't any product to get at the time. Yeah. Um, what? I like about what you're doing is you took it, you took a different tack on the whole thing. What you did is you built something, and I'm going to let you tell me about it here now. You built something that goes in a different direction, and that is it starts, it brings together the banks and starts listing their assets so that people get lists of assets. And so could you tell me um, what yours does and how it's different from some of the other stuff we've seen? Sure. Yeah, I mean, well, so here's here's what the the software does, and I I think it's I think um, that I've had some success for a couple of reasons. Um, you know what I've really tried to uh, be with it is um, authentic and uh, straightforward, and to really just put out um, what I what I know without uh, a lot of in the sky promises and, and this sort of thing, and to reduce, um, you know, what it what it really is to, to um, well, really to facilitate um, the way that transactions really get done, which is what we've talked about, which is you know between people. So right. um, part of the challenge with that, though, is um, the right people. So you need to be doing transactions with the, you know, with, with the right folks. And so what Bank Prospector does, the reason that I had that, I built that, is because when I first started off um, in in uh, the auction business in 2006, and there weren't really that many problems um, at the time, you know, or there there were. <laughs> we just didn't know it yet. Uh, and so what I started doing was just going in and blindly, you know, calling banks, and everybody said, I don't have any problems, there's nothing here, you know, there's nothing going on here. And um, so... I just didn't believe that that could possibly be true after a while. And so I started researching the data and the data that's available for banks. And so what I, I don't provide you on Bank Prospector a list of uh, assets that are at a bank. What I provide you is financial information and portfolio information that gives you insight into which institutions have the types of product that you're after. Uh, I help you identify those that are able to sell uh, those that are preparing uh, or may be preparing their portfolios or certain parts of their portfolio for liquidation and this sort of thing in an effort to get to really streamline the process of knowing which banks you should be talking to and then identifying the correct person at that bank for you to be, to be working with. Because the way that it's going to work is there's not going to be any magic list of, of assets. There's not going to be that email that you get that's going to be the tape that you're finally going to, you know, get the, you know, the big win or whatever. What it's probably going to come from is that you're going to develop a target list of uh, banks in this case or institutions otherwise i don't you know banks credit unions i think probably hedge funds and other you know groups like that you should be working with but it's going to take 
setting up a, a real target list and then it's going to take contacting them on a regular basis and providing some value uh, often enough that people are going to start to pay attention to you and and do deals with you and what I try to do with Bank Prospector is eliminate a lot of the wasted time that you would spend so that you you make sure that I mean building a relationship takes time it takes it's not a it's not a it's not a phone call. It's not an email. You know, uh, uh, building a relationship, building some trust is more than one phone call or one email. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to call up and they're going to say, oh, great. I'm so glad you called. I'm, you know, buried. I'm going to email you over my juiciest stuff and I hope that you can steal it from me. I mean, it's <laughs> crazy, right? But this is what a lot of, I think, the approach that a lot of people take. And I hear about a lot of people getting, you know, frustrated and, you know, I hear that, but you know, I point to one of my guys, one of the guys that uh, that I really like what he's doing out there and what he's saying is this guy, um, and I like a couple Troy Fullwood and Scott Carson and, and some other folks, but Scott Carson, uh, the way that he built his business and he does some note uh, training is um, and buying uh, and uh, and flipping and everything else and the way that he uh, built his business was that he made 50 calls a day every day until he had a database of people that he knew who they were and what they were doing you know what kind of problems they had and then he communicated with them regularly and now he gets you know now they they know him they like him they trust him they know he can get deals done and they send deals to him you know it's not it's not uh, right. a magic formula it's not sexy you know it's not i can't sell a button that lets you do it but what i'm trying to do uh is make it so that before you make those 400 phone calls if there's really only 100 that you should be making and you should make them four times as often then i want to show you how to do that i mean i think that at some point uh, I'd love it um, if you know we could develop a more streamlined uh, system that um, that would connect uh, you know verified um, folks and so serve as sort of the trust agent in between or something mm-hmm. like that. But uh, you know, uh, but today the way it works is that is that you're going to have to do some work. And I want to, with Bank Prospector, I want to help reduce that work as much as possible uh, and let you be really efficient about it because time is money. Absolutely. So um, people, how, how do they find your program? They go to distressedpro.com? They do go to distresspro.com. Yeah, and so far, you know, I don't do, you know, we do, I try to, I put out some content, and um, and um, we've mostly been found organically. Haven't really run a lot of ads and stuff like that. But it's growing really nicely, and there's a, a community growing um, around it. People can also go to. Uh, I have a little um, sort of a. It's Bank Direct is the LinkedIn group. People can find us over there too. Uh, but it's been it's been. Um, it's been really good, and it's kind of, like I say, I guess when you say, how do we find you, you're looking for me to just give you the, do- the domain name, but I guess I'm telling you, people have been finding me, you know, through our, our LinkedIn group and, um, and uh, just organically, you know, on the web. Oh, great. Um, l- let me ask you, because you mentioned this, uh, 
that you need to be calling them four times as much, you, 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 you facilitate a process where they can really hone down on what they're looking for and then find the people they need to be calling, which is great. But you said add value. How is the best way you can add value? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think it depends on the, the particular situation that you're stepping into, but I think one of the things that people maybe don't think about or forget, you know, especially as real estate investors or brokers, you know, we're, we're uh, entrepreneurs, you know, um, we're small business people or maybe big business people, depending on who you are listening to this. And so we have um, a way that we, you know, go about our day and approach our work and think about our deals and, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, most of the time, if you're working with folks at a bank, it's uh, not most of the time. I mean, it's a job, you know, and right. uh, they have a job that they're trying to get done in there. Um, and to the extent that you're able to make their job and life uh, easier and a pleasure, then mm -hmm. you are useful. And to the extent that you are not, you are uh, an annoyance in their day. And so I think you really have to to think about how you're going in there. And so there's, you know, I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Dan Kennedy. Uh, I, you know, there's different ways oh, sure. to do it, but you know, he talks about the uh, annoying pest to uh, welcome guest transformation. <laughs> and and I think that you know I don't know anybody who's necessarily cracked that code, but. But, you know, the way that you do that is, is like I say, by um, making their job easier, more efficient, brightening their day, you know, whatever, whatever it is, normal, you know, sales stuff, but not, you know, you can't go in there and just be a pain in the butt. Well, I, I think I can help you break the code here. You're talking about breaking the code. I think I can help you with that. Uh, what you want to be doing is listening, not spewing all your crap all over them. I've got all these buyers, and I've got this, and I've got that, and I can do this, and I can do – it's like uh, lead by example. If you can do something, show them that you can do it. But listen to them first and find out what their needs are and find out how you might be able to alleviate some of their issues with it is, the I, resources yeah. that you have. That's very much the uh, the approach that I take. Is it's all, I have it's a lot of questions, and uh, the those questions are guided by the um, some people may be familiar with this, but by the Sandler sales uh, technique. I don't know if you ever uh, heard that, but if you if you're not sure uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't had any sales training at all, and you're you know looking around at different um, you know different things you could read or resources or whatever. Um, uh, I highly recommend uh, the Sandler Sales Institute, and I had a, one particular uh, trainer who was excellent um, uh, that we hired out here when I had a, a little CRE firm, and um, the book for that is You Can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bicycle at a Seminar, I think. Uh, it's a pretty long <laughs> title, but I think I remember that right. And the other one that I like is Selling to Vito, uh, or Very Important Top Officer, those two resources that I'd look at. But you're absolutely right. Is I mean, I think the approach is to come in and find out what their pain is, uh, you know, drive at that, and then present a solution for it. 
And I mean that that's selling in my opinion. No, absolutely. Let's let's talk about because you you're you're in the trenches with deals that you're doing. You're in the trenches obviously with the auction. Uh can could you go ahead and name the auction place that you're working for? Working sure. With? Well, let me say this. I don't I don't have anything in my own account uh in terms of uh of, you know, when I say I'm doing deals, I am uh as a as a representative of a seller. And right. so um I'm not out there uh, I'm beginning to think differently lately. Um uh, but I haven't been out there, you know, with uh on my own account. So um yeah, the firm that I I work with is uh, Transon Auction Properties and it's a member of Transon LLC. Find us at transon.com, T R A N Z O N.com. We're a, a national network of uh, real estate auctioneers and we have offices from uh, Portland, Maine to Irvine, California. That's great. And you can people call you guys up and get on your list of, to find out what's being auctioned? Yeah, if you go to transon.com, you can register there for uh, to get on the list and set up your specific, um, you know, uh, criteria. If you will, mm-hmm. and you'll get you'll get email updates about that. That's great. So let's talk about the market. Um, what are you seeing in the auctions? I, I talked to somebody in auctions uh, maybe a year and a half back, and they just weren't getting that much stuff coming through. Um, has that changed now? It just started to turn the corner, and you started to see a lot more product. Hmm. I mean, well, let me say this: the the auction, uh, the disposition cycle at a particular bank is just that. I mean, it seems to be a cycle. Okay, and so they'll have uh, they'll reach a certain amount of inventory, they'll have goals for their books and they'll start they'll start, you know, liquidating it. So uh, depending on on um sort of where you're you're at with them will will determine how much of that you get and how often you get it and um and it seems to be like it's an every other year kind of thing or whatever. So I don't know if I can speak for the whole of the auction world. I can tell you that the biggest challenge uh with auctions is the bid ask spread is you know getting your uh seller to understand that the real market value i mean one of the things that i think is really impeding um us moving this market along is and i hope i'm not picketed or assaulted by appraisers but is appraisals um there's uh just i see a ridiculous uh, number of just, uh, I mean, I can hardly blame them because uh, there's no comps, you know, and so that is a major challenge. But I I regularly see um, just appraisals that have no no resemblance to uh, market value or market demand. And the problem is that... um, that appraisal is will determine what the bank can do in terms of selling. So, um, you know, if I'm hamstrung with an appraisal that tells me that a thing is worth 
uh, you know, twice what we know that it is, if we go out there, then that thing just won't sell, you know, until they can write it down or charge it off enough uh, over a couple of quarters to, to get it where it needs to be. I was contacted, I don't forget when this was exactly, I don't think it was this winter, it might have been the one before. Or perhaps even the one before that. I don't know. They're going pretty quick uh, lately. But um, you know, I, I had a. Uh, I was referred into a bank out of uh, out of Texas, and um, they had some stuff in Texas and Oklahoma, and I think Missouri. And um, so the first thing that we do, well, first thing that I do when I talk with the bank is, you know, they'll send over. Uh, sometimes they'll just send me an address, or maybe it's a list of addresses, um, and then they, I ask for the appraisal, and they send the most recent appraisal, and that's how we sort of begin to get a sense of what you know what we're looking at. Um, sure. And so, then the next thing that we want to do is really get a sense of okay, well here's the appraisal, here's what they're saying. Now what we want to do, and this is hard to do if you don't have anybody in the market area, uh, but then what you want to do is really get sort of a feet on the ground or boots on the ground. Uh, um, assessment, you know, of the thing. Right. And so I had, I'm solved from memory, I don't have any of this stuff in front of me right now, but I'll give you some rough numbers and, and kind of how it worked. And so what I had was a failed uh, townhome uh, project, um, a um, partially prepared, uh, commercially developable piece of uh, land, like I think they had, you know, begun some site work or something like that. And um, and I forget if the other thing was like a warehouse or something like that. Anyway, equaled about $2.1 million, something like that is what they had for, uh, for an appraisal if you added it all up. Um, and, and a big part of that came from this one uh, piece of commercially developable uh, land. Well, I don't know, you know, how many commercial sites in Missouri had traded, um, you know, at the time that the appraiser had to do this appraisal, but, you know, we're talking about pulling comps from a good distance and a long time ago. And so, you know, the thing basically it came in, I think it was about a million and a half, you know, something like that. This is at a time which really the time is still now when there's no uh, debt for that kind of construction available. And, um, you know, we figured at best you're looking at, you know, five or six hundred thousand dollars, something like that at best. And that's, you know, that's provided you can get somebody to come in and speculate on the thing at all. And right. um, so the problem with that, if the bank has a million and a half on there, you know, the guy says this is in Q1 of, uh, like I said, I don't remember what year it was now at this point. It wasn't this year. Uh, and, it, you know, basically says, well, call me in Q3. And the reason that is is because what they now have to do is have to, he's going to have to charge off uh, parts of that loan, write it down, write off, uh, write down the value and fill the file. And so uh, he can get it to a place where he's not going to take, you know, let's just say I'm going to uh, 
just talk rough numbers. Let's say the thing's really worth $500,000 out there, and he's got an appraisal at a million and a half. So he's not going to take a million dollar hit. What he's going to do is he's going to write it down to 1.2, then he's going to write it down to 900, then he's going to write it down to 700, and then he's going to sell it because now he's now he's getting you know whatever it is, 80% or 85% of. Uh, of what they got it on their books at because they've had some time to, to digest it. Does that make sense? No, yeah, absolutely. The biggest thing that I see that's holding up uh, more auction volume or more transaction volume generally out there is these appraisals. I mean, they have no basis in reality. And well, they have, you know, they have the cost, they, they have the cost approach these things, right? I mean, they, they have, are sure, they running I mean, on yeah, denial or are they running on old hmm? numbers or? Are they running on denial only or old numbers or or uh, a five-year projection that's ridiculous or what, what's going on, you think? Well, I mean, I, I think that... I mean, I think a few things. I see, I see inflated cap rates. I don't know where they're, you know, those are coming from necessarily. I guess I could, you know, I could read more, <laughs> uh, you know, deeper into it. Um, but, you know, well... I just had a I just had a a uh, thing got passed by me I think it was uh, beginning of this week or maybe it was last week and uh, it's a hospital so somebody's got a uh, this lender has a uh, it's part of the network and uh, so what they they send me an appraisal this is part of my, the trains on network somebody in the team sent me this thing and it's in my mm-hmm. territory and so uh, they the it's been foreclosed on it's REO um, and they send an appraisal and it's a uh, very nice looking appraisal um from um from a uh, very reputable very large uh, CRE firm in um uh with offices that are local to this asset and um you know I'll go through the whole thing and they've got it valued at a million dollars and so I look at it it's like 300,000 square feet or so. Um, it is a hospital that's been vacant for a long time. And, um, you know, it's got boarded up uh, windows and this kind of thing. It's been vacant for at least for at least several years. And so, you know, it's in it's in like a revitalization district. So you look around and, and it's all, all that's around it is homes. It's not in a, you know, very commercially viable type of a uh, an area. Like you wouldn't want to put a CVS there, I don't think, um, or whatever. And so, but it's going to, you know, <laughs> it's valued at a million bucks. Um, and it's got $850,000 in back taxes, and oh, it's got a cost of three to $400,000 in uh, demolition. You know, so what's that thing worth? I don't know. And I know in an appraisal you're not going to take into account what the, you know, what the liabilities are on the thing, um, but... It's just not a. It's not a very genuine look at the value of that asset, is it? No. Yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, that's kind of kind of part of that. You know, I see you know people putting nine caps still on 
uh, stuff that you know where you got to collect rent on Fridays with a bag and a gun, you know, kind of a thing. And that's not true. I mean, you know, teens maybe, you know, middle upper teens, but there's no appetite for uh, for that kind of stuff at, at that kind of pricing. So I think until the appraisals get a little more realistic, or as banks just continue to book this stuff in and then write it down, um, you know, we're probably going to be stopped up to some degree. Okay, so what's your um, take from the street? I know you talk to a lot of people on the street uh, and you're always asking questions. Uh, what mm. is some of the stuff that you're hearing back from the street? Well, so, yeah, I've got, I've got a... Um, a fairly sizable uh, list, I guess we'll call it, or you know, database of of folks and uh, who I communicate regularly with uh, via email and and otherwise. And so over the weekend, I was really thinking about this, um, just sort of what's the what's the problem out there? You know, what 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 is it really that is the number one thing that is um, that's holding up deals or you know preventing people from being successful and uh, so I sent out an email and I got back uh, a lot of responses. I got well over a hundred. I haven't counted all of them but I think it's probably somewhere in the mid 100 something and um, and went through and started kind of taking that apart and there's really there's two overwhelming uh, like two really dominant issues that people are struggling with right now as far as I can see uh, in the market and one is uh, just finding real product and I think we've talked about that a lot uh, over this call and I think you know that really what um, you you've got to do there is you got to go out and beat the bushes you're you're not gonna I mean I like LinkedIn a lot for distributing content and all this kind of thing you're not going on LinkedIn and finding uh, deals. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I have posted some of our own auctions and that kind of thing there. But I mean, if we're to be really honest about like how those deals are coming about, most of the time, um, that that's just not that's not happening, uh, or it you're too far removed or whatever else. So um, right. I think. You know, what you really need to do is, um, if you're looking for deals out there, is you need to get out there and beat the bushes. I mean, you're going to have to, um, you know, there's, there's, I mean, there's so many ways. I don't know, you know, how much of that you want to get into on here uh, today, but, uh, I mean, you need to look for sellers who have uh, a willingness and ability to sell. And the big problem out there in the private uh, market today is ability, right? Because they're underwater or it's just, you know, it's not what they, they thought it was. And so, uh, you know, I it seems like, all streams kind of you know whatever avenues you're 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 taking a lot of times right now they're leading back to the lender because at the end of the day you're going to need some you know you're going to need to do something with them they're going to need to approve you know a short sale or they're going to need to you know uh, sell you the note or, or you know they've bought it back already and so um, so that's what I'm hearing is number one number one thing I shouldn't say it's the number one thing it's kind of neck and necks but the biggest gripe that I'm hearing right now is it's just so hard to find uh, so hard to find 
real product at margins that you that you're after. That makes sense. Right. That makes sense. Right. And well, but let's talk about makes sense for a minute because it's one of my pet peeves that I have a lot of people who you know. <laughs> When you when you're feeling like whatever hundreds of uh, emails and and calls and this kind of thing about about um, stuff that you're selling, you're gonna have you know people start talking about what they're looking for. And so uh, when I have somebody call me or email me and say that they're looking for something where the numbers make sense, uh, <laughs> I take I pause because that sounds to me like I think I want to be a real estate investor. I don't really have any kind of specific plan or, you know, uh, model that I use or anything else. Uh, you know, nine times out of ten, that guy's not buying, that guy's not buying anything. So, I mean, it needs to be beyond that it's, you know, where the numbers make sense. I mean, I've, it, it really needs to be, I think if you're out there, you should be, you should have a very well-defined uh, um, uh, target. Because mm -hmm. then that's is, how you'll know found it. Is it is this about you know not not just knowing what your criteria is, but uh, knowing how much risk uh, you're 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 liable to want to take? Yeah, I think that's part of your I think that's part of your uh, criteria, isn't it? Because you're going to build in um, you're gonna you're gonna you know. Well, it's going to depend on a lot of things. It's going to depend on the capital that you have or else the access to debt uh, that you have to get the deal done. But, um, but yeah, the number one thing that I'm hearing out there is finding, finding deals that, um, that make sense. The number two thing that I'm hearing for, uh, and this is pretty evenly split, so the other big challenge that people are having today is with, uh, is with getting financing. Um, uh, to a large degree, there's right. you know bank financing is extremely difficult to come by, um, and uh, I know a number of folks who've had deals fall through where they were working with lenders who they've more traditional lenders where they've had uh, success in the past and where they have a relationship and uh, they believe that they're going to come in and do the same sort of stuff that they did in the past and that's just not happening. So, I mean, you really, uh, I don't know if I have a solution for you today to offer on the financing side of things, but you definitely need um, uh, equity. The hard money out there is yeah. pretty expensive. Yeah, and hard money is not worth. First thing, first thing is hard money is not willing to take the risk they were a few years back. Um, so they're, you know, hard money. Everybody goes, oh, hard money is there to to save us. Uh, but the truth is that the hard money lenders I speak to are not willing to take risk right now. Uh, the economy is not such that, that that's uh, plausible or viable for them. So that that's not always an answer. So mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about coming in with a lot of cash. What do you? What do you? What's the percentage? Sixty percent to forty percent? What do you think? What's that? If, if you're gonna if you're gonna come in with cash, uh, oh, what percentage do you, need? do you need to to get right. on? Well, let me tell you this. I can say that. Um, maybe, maybe one out of ten, maybe one out of twenty of the deals that I uh, have sold um, is gets closes with financing. Almost every single thing that I sell closes with cash. 
It does not cause right. financing. And then you'll you put you know you take some money out later when you you refinance the thing after you close. But I think that if you're um, unless you've it's important to have a lot of cash right now. <laughs> want to get these if you want to get these things done. You know, they they uh all the time I had a like kind of a little bidding war uh over a thing uh recently and it was a pre-auction uh bidding war and you know, we just weren't even talking to anybody that was talking about a uh, financing in any way. Uh, it's just it's not a non-starter. It's not even something we're going to discuss. Uh, right. And it's because there's enough folks who who do have the capital out there uh, to get it done. And, and there's a bunch of people who are going to make money on these uh, transactions. If you're if you're somebody who doesn't have any money uh, today and you're trying to do this, then you need to find people with money. I mean, that's kind of the bottom line. Uh, on that, and I think there's some things that may change the way that we can do that, um, especially if you're doing like smaller deals. And I, I, right now, when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you about like I'm, I'm talking to you about commercial deals for the most part. I, I'm sure there's right. probably plenty of financing for you know your your uh, single family rehabs or whatever. It's just not my world, so I really don't know about it. Uh, right. I haven't been you know I haven't been doing any of that. So. Uh, but yeah, if you if you are really trying to get it done out there, you should definitely be partnering up with um, and demonstrating your abilities to uh, you know some equity um, partners. I think is the way to go. Very good. Listen, Brett, uh, we're coming up on the hour. Sure. Okay. So uh, I appreciate. Uh, I really appreciate you. We, could, we we probably have a lot more we can talk about, but uh, I can't. I know I can't keep you that long. Um, so I really appreciate you coming on today and kind of uh, you know uh, smartening us up, <laughs> as it were, about what's going on out that. there. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, anyway, I, get very, uh, I get very sort of passionate about certain aspects of the business, and I hope that I, you know, wasn't off-putting, um, you know, in uh, in my approach. Uh, no, we kind of it's kind of you know, refreshing to hear real deal. No, it's it's really refreshing to hear a real deal out there because we hear so much from people who don't know what they're talking about and or are doing phony deals all day long, so they really believe it. Because I believe that a lot of the people doing phony deals absolutely believe they have a deal. Or they absolutely yeah. believe they have a buyer. They absolutely believe they have a seller or a tape or whatever. Uh, the, the the bad truth is it's, it's, it's rare. It's rare if ever. So... Yeah. Anyway, well, so I appreciate you coming. Let me let me, let me close by saying this, JW, because I don't want to think I don't want to I don't want to put off people who are looking to to try and get started and say, oh, I don't have any money. I go, you know, that guy says it's not gonna happen. Let me say this: that if if you don't have any money today, or if you are you know just getting started, or you're trying to get going in the business, or if you've had some bumps in the road, or whatever it is, then you just it, I think your your goal today is to is to begin to you need to go out there and find somebody who has some money that you can do some work with. I mean, it's it's really really key because you're going to be very frustrated if you're going to go out and and be finding deals 
and you can't do anything with them because you don't have the capital, you don't have the money for the escrow, you're not sure how you're going to close, you're really spinning wheels. I think that if you're if you're really just starting out off today, go you know start going out and you need you need to start aligning yourself with some people who can get a deal done. Right. Absolutely. That makes sense. So let's uh, let's go ahead and close this up. I, I really want to thank yeah. you, Brecht. Uh, that's Brecht Palumbo we're speaking with today. This is J.W. Nigerian with the Commercial Real Estate Professional Investors Group speaking to Brecht Palumbo. That's B-R-E-C-H-T, uh, pronounced Brecht with a K, uh, Palumbo, P-A-L-O-M-B-O. And uh, you're, um, they can find you on LinkedIn. They can find you at uh, distressedpro.com. They can yeah. find you at, you can uh, probably find them somewhere at Trazon. <laughs> Trazon. excuse me, T-R-A-N-Z-O-N.com. And uh, I, I believe you're happy to speak with anybody who's, who's serious about getting things done. Uh, Really don't want to uh, email me. Uh, email me breckettdistresspro.com, dot uh, com and and uh, yeah, and I'd be happy to hear from you. And uh, I hope this is useful. Not a problem. Anyway, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate everybody else's time on this call today. Uh, we are the Commercial Real Estate Professional Investors Group. Uh, speaking to Breck Colombo of Distress Pro, and what's the name? Of, what's the name of the software, Breck? Bank Prospector from DistressPro.com. Bank Prospector from DistressPro.com. Everybody have a great day and have a better tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thanks, JW. Thank you for listening to another in a series of podcasts brought to you by the Commercial Real Estate Professional Investors Group, also known as Craypig. Craypig can be found at www.craypig.com. Craypig Audio Series is a production of Meta Media Group, copyright 2011, and is the property of the Commercial Real Estate Professional Investors Group and Meta Media Group, and all rights are reserved.